Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered him, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Welcome to What is Truth. I'm Pete. Welcome back to another episode of What is Truth. Now, before we get any further, I just want to mention that, yeah, there wasn't an episode last week. I don't know if anybody even noticed that, honestly, but I did do that somewhat on purpose. Uh, and the main reason for that is, is that the interview that will be part of this episode was recorded, but the audio was not captured. So we had to reschedule and re-record the interview, which is an amazing interview that you will definitely want to stick around for. So because that had to be re-recorded, we pushed it back a week. Now, what I also realized is that this show is going to move to a bi-weekly basis. The reality is, is that I cannot continue to bring high-quality content out every week. It is not very doable right now. So we are going to move to a bi-weekly basis, and we will enjoy content every other week. So I just wanted to put that out there. But today, we're kind of structuring this first part of this episode around the interview that you're about to see. It is an interview with Pastor David Kabanji, the chaplain at Union College. And it's a very, very important conversation. A very important conversation. So I hope that you'll stick around for that. Now, the, the, the interview will be centered around a sermon that Pastor Kabanji gave uh, a couple weeks ago at College View Church here in Lincoln, Nebraska. And the sermon was titled The Pickled Gospel. And it's a very important conversation. So it, it actually, I think one of the ways, I'm going to sum it up in my words, and then he will sum it up in his own words in the interview. Uh, it, one of my favorite quotes that you'll hear consistently throughout this show is what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. It's either everything or it's nothing. So, so the reality is, is that Christianity is not something that can just be an addition to your life. As Pastor Rome once said, I've quoted him a few times, Christianity is not an addition to your life. You don't even know what your life is until you have the gospel. So if you're listening to this, whether you're a Christian, an atheist, an agnostic, somewhere in between, a different religion, whatever it may be, if you're listening to this, whether Christianity or is true or not does indeed matter. And what Pastor K went through in this sermon is the idea, the idea that if it is true, that you ought to saturate yourself in it. It's, it's the pickled gospel. You, and, and of course, a, a pickle is actually just a cucumber. And th that's the analogy he was going for. So if Christianity is true, if the gospel is true, if Christ died for us, then there's nothing more important than that, and it, it ought to transform our everyday lives. So the, the goal of this show, what is truth, is, is to pursue truth, to find out whether it is true. Because, of course, this goes both ways. We, we as believers are saying that if it is true, there's nothing more important than that. But you could also say, as a non-believer, you could say, but if it's false, none of it matters at all, and you're wasting your time. And that would be very true. It is indeed true that if, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, our faith is futile, as Paul said. So what do we do with that? Well, what we find is Christianity requires of us, if it is true, to do this thing that we don't like. And it's called dying to yourself, essentially. You're not living for yourself. You are, you are accepting Christ's authority over you. And we don't like that. And we're going to ask Kabanji about that in the next clip. 
but the idea of self-denial, which is the word he used, is a very prevalent concept, or at least used to be a very prevalent concept in the Christian church, and is supposed to still be a prevalent concept in any Christian church because it is the center of the gospel. There, there is a, there is a quote from Jesus Christ that I think is one of the most important and most prevalent quotes today. It is from the passage in John chapter 8. Just all of John chapter 8 is fantastic. But particularly John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. Now the woman caught in adultery is brought to Jesus, thrown down at his feet. And they ask um, Jesus if she should be stoned because that was the law of Moses and they were, they were testing him. And one of Christ's responses, what he says, sums up a problem I think we actually have in the church in a weird way. Uh, we're kind of dissecting what he said. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. I found that it's usually one or the other. Either we belong to a church that's either, neither do I condemn you, which is all love, which has, you know, good intention, it's good to love, but if you have all love and no truth, then you have nothing. We've talked about that before. But also you find churches that are the, uh, the go and sin no more churches, and they are all about morals, and they have no love. Usually it's one extreme or the other. And that's the problem we run into today is that it's supposed to be both. Jesus didn't say one or the other. He said both. In this one sentence, he encapsulates what it's like to live a life of truth and love, of morals and love. It's ethics. It's, it's what true love is. One thing that Pastor, Pastor K always told me and continues to say to this day is we are called to show unconditional divine love. And I happen to believe that divine love includes the go and sin no more. It includes living a moral lifestyle, but it's only a part. It's not a whole. You can't have truth without love, and you can't have love without truth. So what we find here is that when the gospel saturates us, we are called. We are, we are in a way, almost required to if we accept the gospel. Not, not in a way of works-based salvation. It's more of like, like James says, faith without works is dead. If faith without works is dead, that does not mean that you need to do works in order to be saved. What it means is, if you are saved, you will do works. And when we talk about saturating ourselves in the gospel, it's about self-denial. It really is. And the gospel message typically is just, just accept Jesus, just love others, and you're good. We don't like the self-denial part. The self-denial part is the part we don't like, the part we don't talk about. It kind of falls into that category of go and sin no more. Because when we deny ourselves, we are admitting that there's something wrong with us. We're, we're admitting that we are not perfect creatures, and that's the problem. We don't like the idea that we're not perfect. One of the most common ideas you hear in the world today is believe in yourself. And there's a quote that I'll put on the screen that believe in yourself is a popular dominant philosophy. It did not begin with Disney, Oprah, or Kierkegaard. It began with a snake in a garden. And that quote is powerful because it's saying... We ought not believe in ourselves. In fact, that, that quote is making the boldest claim that it can make, saying that that's actually the lie the devil told in the Garden of Eden. And that lie the devil told is, you can be like God. The devil lied in the Garden of Eden by convincing Adam and Eve that they did not need God. But friends, we do need God. If Christianity is true, then we need Jesus. Because Christianity claims that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And if that's true, then we need him. And if we need him, and once we accept him, he will transform our lives from head to toe. Everything about us will be radically transformed. Nothing will be the same again. And it's hard to even imagine. 
there's also the very important point that we have to remember where we came from, you know? We have to remember the wretch we once were in order to become more like Christ going forward. And that's more self-denial. That's saying that, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm far from perfect. But because of what Christ did for me, I'm moving closer to it. This is a countercultural idea. It's not popular. And what I love about the sermon that Pastor Kabanji gave was that it balanced this idea of, hey, this is not a popular idea with the love. He saturated it in so much love that it resonated with people who maybe wouldn't like that message. Because most of us don't like that message. In fact, the gospel is an offensive message. And again, these are all things we're going to get into in this interview shortly here. But the gospel is like a pickle. It's like a saturated pickle. We're more like the pickle, actually. We're saturated in the gospel. More... There, there's a story that perfectly embodies self-denial, and that, that, that is the song I've decided to follow Jesus. And if you stay here till the end, we're going to go into that story a little bit. Self-denial is one of the most unpopular things in the culture today. In the culture today, which, which again, goes along the lines of this show, it's searching for truth. What is truth? Asking that question Pontius Pilate asked. We're digging into this culture that doesn't even really believe in truth anymore, and we're asking these questions. And what we're finding is that the truth is of Christianity is you need to sell, you need to deny self, and that's not popular. So as we go into this interview with Pastor K, I encourage you to think about what he says. He is one of the most loving people I've ever met in my life. He shows Christ in such a way that you just feel the love, and yet keep in mind what he's preaching is such truth. And it's kind of, in a way, an unpopular truth. We can get through to people by showing them love. And I encourage you that with that today. Now enjoy this interview, and I'll see you soon. All right, I'm sitting here with Pastor David Kabanji, the chaplain here at Union College. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into this? Yeah, um, I love... I love interacting with people. Um, I think it's it's a it's a great way to connect with Jesus, just because um, we're made in His image, you know. And so uh, I love people. Uh, I love uh, the Word. I I love. Um, I'm learning to be more grateful for every aspect of life, and so that kind of summarizes who I am right now. Yeah. And you really like Gen Z, right? <laughs> Both the people and the phrases. Is that correct? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have. I I ordered a Gen Z dictionary because I need to understand what Gen Zers are saying because I don't know if they understand what they're saying. Uh, no. I I, I, I love. Um, I love interacting with the Gen Z just because I feel like a lot of people give you know a, a bad rep yeah. right for Gen Zers, but it's really like <clears throat> learn how to communicate. With not just Gen Zers, but just have a multi-generational way of communicating with people, right? Um, as Paul would say, I've become all things to all people, right? Mm, so learning how to communicate with people, not try to make fun of them or, you know, put them down, but truly learning how mm. they communicate from their hearts and their minds. I think that's how you generate um, confidence, yeah, and then also generate um, relationships. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. So the, kind of the, the center of this interview, essentially, we wanted to talk about a sermon you gave a couple weeks ago, and it was entitled The Pickled Gospel. <laughs> Why don't you explain that a little bit so the audience knows what you mean by that? Yeah, so uh, if you didn't know, a pickle is just a cucumber. 
has been saturated in vinegar, right? And it has some spices in there as well. And so Holy Spirit was uh, just prompting me to understand that when we saturate our lives in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes us, like radically changes us in the sense of it changes the verdict, right? Um, it changes our identity and it changes our purpose. And so the more we saturate ourselves in the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, i.e. the more we preach the gospel to ourselves daily, the more we become like Jesus Christ, the more we live from the verdict that we are a beloved child, the more we live from the identity that I am a child of God. And then the more we allow the purposes of our hearts to align with God's will, right? And so it all starts with us truly taking in the gospel, not just uh, as a historical fact, right, uh, but as uh, a historical fact that has transformational power. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It kind of, it kind of starts there with that, that historical fact, and then what does that mean for you today? It's kind of how the gospel um, changes everything about us. You know, it's uh, Pastor Rome once said, the gospel is not an addition to your life. Yeah, and it can't be. Yeah, it can't be. Right. 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 So another thing you said in there that uh, I wanted to focus on, because it's a hard part of the sermon, was um, you said that we have to deny ourselves, and we don't like that. Why, why don't you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um, and even explaining it, it, it's difficult just because you're talking, self-denial is uprooting self from being king of your life, right? Uh, you're basically uh, usurping yourself, right? And nobody likes that, right? Um, and nobody likes that because I have to, for example, if I am getting into a covenantal marriage, mm -hmm. right, between my wife and I, I'm really dying to or relinquishing certain freedoms that I wouldn't have to if I were single. Right. Right. So when you take that aspect and our relationship with Jesus Christ is a reflection of marriage, right? When you take that aspect, you begin to realize that for me to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I have to usurp myself as the king of my life, right? So self-denial does a few things. Number one, it identifies who your true God is. Right. And then number two, it's an invitation to unconditional divine sacrificial relationship right. with Jesus Christ. And so when you look at self-denial, not from the um, aspect of it's Jesus telling me that you can't do this right. and more f um, for what it is, that it is a it, it, it's really a focus on who's your real God. Who do you want to be your God, right? And then the invitation gets deeper because the more we we deny ourselves, the more freedom we have, right? Right. Nobody likes to think about it that way, but the more we deny ourselves, the more we pick up our cross, which is allowing ourselves to die to our will and to live for God's will, the more freedom we have in the long run. Right. It's one of those things that I think it's kind of you. When you look at it from the outside, it doesn't sound so good. But then we're here on the inside of it being like, hey, this is what it feels like. And it, it's really hard to, to explain that to somebody. It's hard to put that across in a way where they understand. Do you have any like tips to somebody who's trying to explain a more hard truth of, of Christianity in a way that will resonate with someone who maybe isn't there yet? So, uh, Christian truth really is boiled down to love, right? Um, going back to self-denial, right? right. Self-denial, if I deny the love of myself, mm -hmm. I am opening up a, a conversation, I'm opening up a door to love you more, 
right? Because when I am less saturated in myself and more saturated in the gospel, I become others, other focused, right? And so I think when, when you look at religion, um, and when you look at just a, a, a religious worldview, you have to ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, does this religious worldview or this religious truth, is it, does it change me to become a better person, right? Christianity does not ask that question at all. Christianity actually says, I'm not, Christianity is not interested in making us better people. Christianity is about transforming us into what God ideally like God's ideal right and so now you ask yourself well what is God's deal you could look at Adam and say this is how God ideally this is how he wanted us to be but I want to look at Jesus Christ right because he is the ideal because without Jesus Christ there's no Adam without Jesus Christ there's nothing in between and so when you look at the life of Jesus Christ you get to see what humanity truly is right Jesus is the, is the reflection of true humanity, and he's also the reflection of God's character. So I'm looking at these two things, and now I have to, because the gospel never leaves you the way, the way it found you, right? And at the same time, the gospel is the most offensive document on planet Earth, right? Yeah. And it's offensive because I have to rectify within myself that truth is being presented to me, and now I have a decision either to live by it or to deny it, right? And the truth of the gospel is this. You can't save yourself, right? right? And once you accept that, once you deny that you are not the Savior, you then have room to accept the Savior. And so I, I, the best way to illustrate this is, you know, clench your hands, close it as hard as you can, right? And give yourself some time and then start to open up your hands. And the more you open up your hands, the more you realize that it's actually really hard. But once your hands are free and open, there's freedom there. Right. And so Jesus Christ enters into our world and says, Jesus Christ enters into our narrative and says, you can continue to live on a basis of self or you can be radically transformed and live out the way you are supposed to you live out the design of unconditional divine sacrificial love because at the end of the day all of us here are yearning to live post-eden right uh we're, we're yearning we have this desire of like man i was made for something more right and we chase that in relationships we chase that with education we chase that with um prof you name it and at the end of the day, the chasing stops once we meet Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Right. Yeah. So much powerful stuff there. Yeah. You know, You know. I think two, two of the most common words in these conversations are truth and love. I've started to learn that you can't have truth without love, and you can't have love without truth. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like this endless cycle. Um, maybe I'll just throw both the questions at you at once. What is love and what is truth? This, sh this show is called What is Truth? And then what is love, of course, you know, you know what I mean by that. <laughs> yeah, what is love? Baby, you don't hurt, right? I mean, like, even the secular view of love points to this truth that it doesn't hurt, right? So, so the, the secular view of love is um, if you're going to love me, don't hurt me. 
right? And so I think, number one, we have a biblical understanding of what love is in the sense of love doesn't hurt, but it, there's so many more dimensions to love, right? right? Um, but if you look at those dimensions, it is a radical change of self, right? And it pushes self to not look at self, but to look at others. And so for me, the truth of love is that it is the, it is the universal law that brings life. Right. And so truth for me is something that can be that can be measured, obviously, um, something that is eternal. Right. Something that doesn't have any conditions. And so when you look at that and then you um, you look at the biblical uh, explanation of love, the two are one and the same. Right. Love is a eternal, unconditional um, um, law that can't change that won't change. And because God is love, and, and, and because I believe that Jesus is the truth, it's the character of Jesus Christ that not only reveals mm -hmm. truth, but reveals true love. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you want to know what truth is, right, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Because yeah. it's in Jesus that there's no balance. Mm -hmm. There just is. Right? Mm -hmm. I am. Yeah. There just is, yeah. right? In Jesus is the totality of all truth, mm -hmm. and in Jesus is the totality of all love. Yes. And you can't have one without the other because the other points to, exactly, yeah. right? True love, right? True truth and love. True love is what compelled Jesus Christ to come and die on this world because the truth was you can't save yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Now, if God just ended there, right, there's not a lot of mercy and grace. But then the grace of God says, I know the truth about you, right? And, and the truth is that you don't deserve salvation. However, because of my radical love, I've given you my son so that you can live in truth with me, right? And so that's, that's how I see truth. The truth is God's objective view on us. And love is God's unconditional, uh, it, it's, it's almost like he says, I, I see the truth about you, I'm not going to disregard it. Right. I'm going to invite you into a transformational relationship to uphold the truth. So, yeah. There's, there's so much good stuff, and I wish we had all day, but we don't. You know what you could do, though? You know what you could do is you could go watch the live stream of the sermon, oh, yeah. and then there there you go. And I'll link that in the description of this video, if I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for joining me here. This is a really great conversation, a really important conversation, and I pray that you've been blessed by it. Thank you for joining me. God bless. Those of you who know me know that I'm not a big singer. I don't generally like to sing. Uh, I don't feel I'm very good at it. I think God gives us different gifts, and I don't think I've been given that gift. But I do love lyrics. When I listen to music, the first thing I listen to is the lyrics. I want to make sure that the lyrics are good before I even consider whether the instrumental is good. And one song that has such meaning, that kind of goes along with the theme of today's episode, is I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So the story of this song is powerful. And I like to tell this story because even though a lot of people have heard it, even if one person hasn't, it really can get to you. I remember the first time I heard this story, it was shocking. It's hard to imagine being in the shoes of the people in this story. So the story goes that there was a missionary group who went to this tribe. 
and the tribe, you know, you know, they were not Christian, far from it. And this group managed to convert one family. They converted one family to Christianity in the tribe. Now, in this tribe, it was unacceptable. You, you could not be a Christian. You, you had to prescribe to the ideals and worldview of this tribe. There, of course, there was no freedom of religion like we have today. So this, this family becomes Christian, and, and of course, the tribal leader finds out, and he's obviously not very happy about this. Uh, so he goes to them. And he, in fact, he brings his group, you know, his posse, kind of like, it's hard to hard to imagine in the world today this happening, but it, it can still happen in the world today. This was not ancient history. This is relatively recent history. Um, and, and he goes to the family and he says, you need to recant your faith in Jesus or we're going to kill you and your family. And the, the story goes that on the spot, the man of the house, you know, this this guy with his, with his wife and kids, he, he came up with the lyrics to the song, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. So the story goes that, that they take the bow and arrows, you know, that they have bow and arrows in this tribe, and they say, recant, or we'll kill your kids. And the man starts saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. So they, you know, they shoot the arrows, and, and the kids, they're dead. Of course, it's a bow and arrow. And as they're, as they're on the floor, can you just imagine especially anyone here who might be listening who's a parent, imagine seeing your kids like that. It's, it's hard to imagine. I'm sorry for putting that image in your head, but it keeps going because then the tribal leader says, we're going to once again give you another chance. Your kids are on the floor dying. You can't Jesus or we're going to kill your wife. And he says, though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And they, and they shoot his wife. And his wife's now on the floor dying. And the tribal leader, you know, at, at this point, just imagine being the people in the tribe. They're sitting there saying, how in the what is this guy doing? What is motivating him to do such a thing? And finally, they say, one last chance, we're going to kill you. They, they get their bone arrows ready, you know, and say, we can't Jesus or we'll kill you. And he says, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And they shoot him and he's dead. Now, of course... You don't end the story there. If we end the story there, that's a very, very sad story to tell. And it is sad. It's, it's tragic. But the beauty is, is that after that happened, that tribal leader, he became so impressed with what he saw. He couldn't understand it. He couldn't understand why this man would die for Jesus and let his whole family die for Jesus. So the tribal leader actually converts to Christianity. And sooner or later, the entire village is converted to Christianity because they've seen the change in their leader and they saw what happened to that family and this entire village is saved. Talk about self-denial. Talk about saturating yourself in the gospel. Do you think that those guys in that tribe, that family, do you think they had every theological point figured out? No. Do you think that they had been Christians for years? No, uh -uh. They, they just converted. What they knew is that Jesus saves. What they knew is that they decided to follow Jesus, and there was no turning back from that because it was the best thing for them to do. They saturated their lives in the gospel. Saturated them. You know, this is a show that primarily focuses on pursuing truth and in, in, in through apologetics and methods like that. And one of the greatest apologetic methods we have for the Christian faith is the, is the martyrdom of the early apostles. Because we know, we know that the disciples knew whether they were telling the truth or whether they were lying. This is why the, the comparison to something like Jamestown doesn't work. Because they honestly believed their lies. 
But the disciples knew for sure because they were claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. They were claiming something that they knew for sure whether they were telling the truth or not, right? And they willingly died for it. And that is one of the greatest evidences we have. Why would you die for something you know is a lie? People die for lies all the time, but they don't die for something they know for sure is a lie. Now, you could say that that family could have been deceived. You could. But I would ask you this. If that family believed so strongly in that, that says something. It's worth checking out. Of course, yes, there are people of other religions, Muslims, who will, who will willingly die for something that they truly believe that I would, I would say is not true. But if you look at the story of that man, imagine if you witnessed something like that and then you went on to study and to find the evidences for the Christian faith. The cross before me, the world behind me. He's saying, the world's behind me. Everything that I once was, no longer is. There, once again, there's your self-denial. This guy was saying that I, it doesn't matter who I once was. It doesn't matter what the world can give me. I have found something that is more real, that is true, and I'm giving my life to it. Or more accurately, I'm giving my life to him. So I want to challenge you today as we end off our show. If Christianity is true, and I always preface this, if Christianity is true, because there are many different viewpoints. If you're coming to this show and you don't believe Christianity is true, great. I'm so glad you're listening. Because you can go on that journey of truth because you have to start somewhere. That's why I preface it, if Christianity is true. If Christianity is true, and if we've accepted Jesus, then the cross is before us and the world is behind us. And there is no turning back. There is no turning back. So I challenge you today. You know, I had a teacher in high school who once told me, every morning, every morning, you get up and you deny yourself. Every morning you get up and you give your life to Jesus, you repent and say, not me, but you, Lord. So I challenge you today to deny yourself every single morning. It's one of the hardest prayers to pray, but it's one of the most important prayers to pray. I'll leave you with that today. Saturate yourself in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will never let you down. And if it's true, there's nothing more important than that. God bless. I'll see you here in two weeks.